What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Mike, it's a privilege and an honor. I am extremely grateful and excited to get to sit across the table from you. Today we're coming live to everybody from the Kuyu headquarters, usually my podcast. I have a recording booth at West Coast Archery down in Petaluma, California. And today I had the privilege and I'm going to come to everybody from Kuyu. So with that being said, Mike, you're 100% a machine. You're go, go, go all the time. Um, we had the chance to, to get to know each other better at Sheep Show. And uh, you're just an amazing person. And I'm really excited to get to sit here with you today and talk about your life and your passion for the outdoors and everything like that. So before we really dive into the heart and the meat of everything, good good old Jake Franklin. I know, you know, I know Jake well. You know Jake. He wanted me to ask you this question. And the question is, what would you say is one thing that the hunting industry had when you were young that it is severely lacking now? When we were young, hunting was was an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, we identified more with the uh, early trailblazers. Yeah. Um, the Indians stalking buffalo was our image. Yeah. It wasn't commercial. At all. There wasn't advertising. There weren't people trying to sell resumes to manufacturers so that they could be sponsored to hunt. Yeah. We hunted because we love the outdoors. Yeah. And um, characters like you and Jake yeah. seem to frequent the same places that I frequent, <laughs> uh, whether we're in town or we're in the woods. And there's a camaraderie and spirit yeah. to, to outdoor adventures. And it's not about trying to outdo each other, mm-hmm. unless it's at having fun. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's, it was much more family-oriented, much more communal. We would share things, share information, share meat, share food. Um, no one was interested in outdoing one of their friends. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference I see. And I think um, I hear it from guides. Mm-hmm. I uh, didn't hear this from Jake, but I hear it from guides I've seen up when we're doll sheep hunting that they have a fabulous trip, kill a beautiful animal, and the, the, the hunter's disappointed because it's only 39 inches, it's not 40. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It's disappointing. Yeah. And um, those that are listening to this who've paid a big price to get an animal, yeah, they know that you measure trophies in miles yeah. and altitude and rivers crossed and zero temperatures you suffered through and how many days it took to get this animal. That's what makes it... You know, it's the degree of difficulty. Yeah. It isn't going out one day, boom, pop, get back in the plane and go home. Yeah. And uh, th- there seems to be a sense of urgency for success in the sport now. Uh-huh. And, and I don't think that's really in the sport's best interest or in the animal's best interest. So now when you say an urgency for success, you just mean across the board. Everybody feels like they need to be successful and they're measuring their success by animals taken instead of time spent in the field crossing rivers you know miles hiked 
and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, there are people that want to kill all four sheep in one year. Yeah. There's people that have to kill every species in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not critical of them in the sense that's their business. Yeah. But it misses the mark for me about why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a collector. Yeah. I'm into experiences. Right. I'm into relationships with people and sharing the outdoors with people. Yeah. And fires with people. Right. Jay Massey has got a great book called A Thousand Campfires. He just talks about those moments around a campfire. At the end of the day, it doesn't have to involve taking an animal. Yeah. But you're in the middle of nowhere with your buddies talking about the day's experience and what you saw. Yeah. And, and those memories, to me, are the real trophies on a hunt. Sharing the success of the adventure. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, man. So what do you think we can do to change that? What do you think, if, if there was something that we could do as hunters to bring to the table that would maybe help instill that it's not about inches, it's not about, you know, quote-unquote, trophy animals? I think we can tell a better story mm-hmm. about our hunt. Talk about... The characters that flew us in, the guides we had, <laughs> uh, the personalities like you that we meet, yeah. um, and that we took a beautiful animal. Yeah. Um, we don't need to start with a picture and tell me how many inches it was. Yeah. Um, that misses for me the point. Mm-hmm. How was the tr- how was the hunt itself? What yeah. did you have to do to get in on the animal? Yeah. You know what was the wind like? Uh, what time of day was it? How what long did, did you fall? What day on the hunt? Yes, exactly. How many days had you been out there? Exactly. And um, those are the things that give, for me, some texture and definition to the experience. Mm-hmm. It is not, um, you know, flying in and, and shooting something at 600 yards the first day out and then you're out of there. Yeah, well, and you're not shooting anything at 600 yards. My longbow doesn't go that far. No, no. <laughs> What's, what, that, that's a question. So what would be your comfortable range with your longbow? Um, it depends on the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've shot the bow a long time. I've shot animals, um, killed a mountain caribou about 80 yards. Oh, wow. I hit a, um, my ram was running at about 70 yards. Um, and you nailed it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, um, was there some luck involved? Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of luck involved. Yeah. But I started, started hunting Catalina Island in 1968 when they had 20,000 goats on it. Uh-huh. Now, and we would shoot all the time at those distances. That's a lot of goats mm-hmm. for a tiny little island. It's 26 miles long. Yeah. And they were destroying the, the environment. They wanted them removed, and we would hunt there two or three times a year. So okay. you got my point is you lived with a ball in your hand. I still shoot almost every night. Uh-huh. There are shots that I wouldn't take at the same distance. Yeah. But it's like throwing a pass. You can just see the trajectory of the arrow and you take the shot. Especially when you're that comfortable and right. you're that proficient. Right? Mm-hmm. So how much time would you say you spend practicing with the, with your longbow? I, I shoot the bow because I live on 25 acres. Yeah. I, I come home from work. First thing I do is play out of my wife go out and see my animals, take my bow, and I'll shoot a few arrows. Sometimes I'll shoot more than other times. I, yeah. It's how I relax. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's like playing a musical instrument. And they, in fact, some people think it was the first monochord instrument. Yeah. Um, and it's relaxing for me. I find for me with my bow is like, when I actually get out to the bow range, because I can't shoot in my backyard because mm-hmm. my house is backed up to all of my neighbors. Um, 
so I won't shoot inside my town. But mm -hmm. uh, when I get to the bow range, and I actually get to spend that time out there and like take that breath before my first shot and kind of unplug and detach and then really just start focusing on my sight picture and what's going on and what's in front of me. I get to unwind and like decompress from so much different stuff. You know, it's so, for me, it, it's, it's become so much more important to be able to have those moments, you know, in the last eight to 10 years of my life than prior, you know, where the, I, I did nothing to unplug or detach. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, I'm gonna go out and hunt, you know. Right. You know now living more for the adventure of it. Right, and I think um, there's such a purity, yeah, a mental and physical zen. In fact, there's a book, The Zen of Archery. It's a martial art. Yeah. Okay? That bow is a manifestation of your brain and how it focuses and how it coordinates your, your sight picture, mm -hmm. your finger release, holding your left arm absolutely perfectly solid. And if you have that moment of total clarity and you hit it right in the middle yeah it's just <laughs> you know the feeling yeah and when you do that on an animal yeah and you've earned that shot and you've worked hard when those things all come together it's just about as good as it gets yeah well and there's and i like how you said when you've earned that shot right because how much time is spent practicing you know like you said every day you go home and you shoot a few arrows how much time do we spend practicing, whether it be with a rifle or a compound bow mm -hmm. or a long bow? How many hours go into that one shot? Exactly. Where it all counts. Exactly. You know, and how much time and effort and energy and sacrifice in other areas of our life have we done and put into that in order to make sure that this goes the way that we want it to? You know, and I, I just really like how you said earned that shot. That's so. And because it's earned, it, it's earned. I, I'm so caught up in the journey mm -hmm. of what you and I are talking about. Yeah, what what, <laughs> what, we, what we do to get to that end point. Yeah, because without the journey, there's really I don't like the destination. Yeah, all right. I, I love that long hike in, right. in, the, in the cold mornings and yeah. and figuring out where these deer are and what the situation is and. And having them nail me a few times to help me remember I'm not that cool. Right. Right? We're not that perfect. We're not that good, okay? <laughs> and, and to come back and have to rethink it and rethink it. Yeah. And um, um, one of the great things was with my son Jason was yeah. to, to get to go into the Sierras and mm -hmm. together take some deer yeah. and, and watch him begin to to understand how to figure these things out. Uh -huh. One of the things he didn't struggle with, he knew why he was there. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah. He loved the smell of the sage and the breeze and and we go far enough and high enough, there weren't anybody there's nobody else there. But yes. You know how that goes. You yeah. just out walk them. Yeah. But there's just something wonderful about that whole experience. Yeah. And for us at least, the quiet of the archery and uh, mm -hmm. The, the the limitations that it imposes on you mm -hmm. and the demands yeah. on your senses and your skills. Yeah. We, we like that. Well, and some too that you just, I mean, you just keep bringing up stuff that makes me reminisce, you know, something that I love about the Sierras, you know, and I live down in A-Zone in California. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves to hunt blacktail in A-Zone. And for me, for the life of me, I can't 
I mean, I've done it a couple times, but I'm not married to the idea of hunting A-Zone. I'm married to the Sierras, mm-hmm. and I love getting into the Sierras. You know, and you guys, were obviously, you were talking more, I'd say, about California, getting the smell of the sage where I hunt. It's all pines, mm-hmm. and it's that mountain fresh pine mm-hmm. air, and I just get into it, and it's like, oh, my God, this is exactly where I need to be every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah we, we have to now get points to hunt some of the areas that we like. Right. And um, I delay my choice yeah. on any other trip till I find out if I got my California tag. My A20, my X12 yeah. zone. If I get that, yeah. I, every, all bets are off. I'm going. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we can fly. No, I'm going to go hunt that because I feel like I'm I'm going back to something I really know. Right. You know, I, I when I was just, I can't even, it must have been 10, 12 years of age. We, yeah. went, we went to the Sierras on mm-hmm. a family trip. And we, we pulled off someplace and parked the trail and there's a little hill and I asked my dad if I could, you know, hike up on that hill. And he says, yes, but every 20 steps you are to turn around and make sure you can see us. Yeah. So I got to the top and I peeked over the top and here were two bucks and a couple does. Really? And as a young kid, it was like they were moving in slow motion. I was, must have been adrenaline. It was like they were ghosts. It was so beautiful. Uh-huh. And I mean, I just, I was, I think that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I just thought that was the most, and I still think mule deer in the Sierras, for me, Unreal. is about as good as it gets. Yeah. You know, I, can, so, oh, so, I love that. So if, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you go, yeah, I don't know if I'll make that doll sheep hunt. It's a, that's a great experience. Yeah. But mule deer in the Sierras will give you everything you well, want. Well, I think California hunting in itself is pretty difficult and taxing mentally and physically. I mean, our ability to take animals like you can in Colorado or Nevada or right. Montana or Utah or, you know, almost all the other Western hunting states is, is uh, it's not as easy. No, it's work here. It's work. Now, I will, you, you asked me some historical perspective. Back in the 60s, you mm-hmm. know this state had more deer than any other state in the Union. I didn't know that. Yes. No. We were loaded. It was two deer in the A-zone. Oh, really? And when we were hunting back in the 60s, early 70s, you would get well, archery. You'd shoot two deer. Yeah. You'd get a third tag for L.A. County. Oh, really? Which is the Glendora you mm-hmm. know, mountain range up there. Yeah. And there was... You'd see 30, 40 deer a year a day up there and shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were, so we had a lot of deer. We had a lot, we'd shoot a lot of deer. Oh, my God. But it was always the Sierras that was, we never missed that. Yeah. It's uh, it's all those things you described. Right. You get rain, you get all the mountain stuff you want. Yeah. So it was very cool. So for the last question from Jake, the hunting industry has been progressive for 20 years. Do you think it will regress back to a more traditional style or keep its drive? That's a great question because to to change the mentality to a by self limiting the mm-hmm. assets that are available to you, mm-hmm. meaning what do I give up to make this hunt more more difficult for me? Mm-hmm. Do I change weapons? If I'm a rifle hunter, do I get rid of my scope and go to iron sights? Yeah. Do I, am I more selective about the animal that I take? Yeah. Am I more selective about the terrain I want to force myself to hunt into? Yeah. Right? Rifle hunting is difficult. The, you know, you've, I've rifle hunted. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the rifle hunters earn their deer too. Oh, yeah. So do you continue to look for um, a greater adventure 
as yeah. this goes on. And so I, I think as people begin to appreciate what it, what it means to expect the best out of yourself, yeah. and you, you keep asking for that, Yeah, I think, and passing that on to people, Yeah, um, I think that will help. I think some of the stories that people write about and talk about yeah. can, can light the fire to backpack hunting or right. you know making things a little more challenging than they need than yeah. they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean for me it's it's uh I lost my train of thought. Oh well. For me it's it's you bring up you bring up so many good points and it just makes me like speechless on so many different levels. It's ridiculous. Um, did we answer all of Jake's questions? We did. Because here's the problem we with did. Jake. You know Jake. Yeah. He's a pain. Yeah. So if we don't answer his questions, we're going to hear about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I just said so that if he listens, we're acknowledging yeah. his honor. Well, and that, we and that was like why I wanted to start out this podcast. Yeah, you're smart. We get that out of the way. Get that out and of the way. get on to some good questions. Yeah, right? No, no, no. I mean, it's his questions are phenomenal. Um I totally lost my train of thought. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Anyways, so we'll dive into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors podcast. We spent the last 17 minutes going on quite an adventure. That was uh, fun. Rarely do I get rent- rendered speechless and, and lose my train of thought. But well, I'm sure the audience appreciates it. I'm sure they do. They're probably going to be like, this guy yeah. finally stopped talking. Yeah, good. Can you come more often? Right? So, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're from. I'm Mike Harrison. Um, my son, Jason Harrison, is well known to all of you mm-hmm. with Kuyu. I was born in Southern California at a time that it was really farmland. Mm-hmm. Tremendous amount of agriculture, a lot of open land. Uh, I became friends with uh, people that owned a 2,500-acre ranch. Mm-hmm. As a young boy, I'd go up. I loved working on the ranch. It was a very natural extension for me to take my bow along, and when the day ended, yeah, I'd take off into the hills for whatever season was open. And uh, Orange County, at that point, we had a lot of deer in Orange County. A lot of a lot of orchards too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of orchards. I mean, you could you could hunt deer inside of Newport Beach, and there was a good deer herd. How crazy is um, that? It's amazing. It's amazing how fast uh-huh. that goes away. Yeah, which is really if you if you grew up in that wilderness there, and now you see it gone, it's um, it's disheartening. But it's I guess it would be called. Uh, progress, which doesn't sound like the right word. What's well, so funny too, because it's just encroachment into wildlife habitat mm-hmm. and and destruction of wildlife habitat, and we put ourselves first. But then there's so much pushback against, you know, doing anything in in the forest because it's national forest, as to where like you look at places like Orange County right, right. And, and Newport Beach or you know all over Northern California where I grew up in Marin County, right. and it's just all just it slowly just gets chopped up and and sold and built and developed and well one of the you know the background of orange county is basically big spanish land grants Mm -hmm. and and two of the families really wonderful families were the irvine family Mm -hmm. and the o'neill family they had huge ranches yeah and i had the good fortune to be on those ranches at, at an early age and i know those people And yes, they've had development, but they've set aside thousands of acres Mm -hmm. to remain primitive. Mm 
Yeah. Where the live oaks grow and the canyons are still How cool, cool and deep. Yeah. And there's room for the wildlife. And yeah. um, it's just a compliment to the the O'Neill family and the Tony Moizo and to uh, the Irvines that they really are stewards of the property they had. Yeah. And very respectful of the land. And, and I just did, just have to say hats off to those families. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're talking about running around their property at a very young age with a bow. So how, how did you first pick up a bow and get into hunting? How old were you? Um, probably five or six. Really? Uh, there was a... Um, I'm so impressionable. You know, I watch everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, you know, when you have a weak mind, you just t- pick up stuff. Uh-huh. So, watching a movie called The Last of the Mohicans. I remember when that movie came out. And I was, I guess what I was so struck by is, um, here you had our arrival on the coast. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of tromping through this pristine land. Mm-hmm. And here are the people that have lived here in a flow with the land. Yeah, they moved with it. They 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 didn't just grind it up. They just could. They had a way of moving silently. They were part of the hunter gathered. They were they were a predator like all other predators. Yeah, and you know they built small fires. They made you know they they were magical to me. Yeah, and I thought the way they walked and they moved and all that was interesting. And cool. and so I I. Um, I'd pick up bows, and uh, you know, in those days, you kind of had to shape them and fix them. And, and solely as I got older, could mow a few lawns. I'd be into buy bows, and yeah. I just kept expanding the distance that I I traveled. And uh, um, at twelve, I got my hunter safety course, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I asked my parents later, "Were you?" Were you really trying to abandon me, or were you just letting me have an adventure? Yeah. Because they dropped my body off in places <laughs> I would never drop a kid off, right? <laughs> so they'd, they'd drop me at lunch off of this huge track of land and go, we'll be back at dark. And so I would hunt rabbits, which we had a lot of, and hike all over this land and uh, occasionally meet other archers. Yeah. They thought I was lost or something. Yeah. Where are you um, going, little boy? Yeah, so, but one of the real adventures was a place called Thomas Mountain in Southern California. It's up by, above Palm Desert. Yeah. Which at the time was pretty remote. You had to sign in and out of this gate. Oh, wow. So in the morning, my dad signed me in. Mm-hmm. He said, on along the road, and they, they gave me a couple tips on what to do. And I, I did everything I was told. I found tracks, sat down, and all of a sudden, here comes the buck by, running. And it's just, there's just barely light coming through. And I shoot, and this arrow just kind of glitters and just goes right off the back of this buck, right? I'm 12 years old. Yeah. And I am just, if you're an archer, coming close is just about as good as getting the animal. Yeah. And I was ecstatic. And so those are, that was one of my first recollections. Was it painful after? No. Oh, no. 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 The first time I I grazed over buck's back, it just devastated me. You know what, what thrilled me? Yeah. I found him. I figured it out. Yeah. I made a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. I shot him when he was on the upper bound. He went down and went over. So I go, hey, that happens. Yeah. Buck's still having a great day, and I'm having a great day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I, it wasn't a loss to me. Yeah. It was a great experience. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So 
how would you structure your your or how would you frame the structure of your relationship with the outdoors and you brought up you know old tribes when we originally came here and started taking over the land and chewing it up and spitting it out essentially mm-hmm. and how people used to just live organically with the land right would you say that was part of what built your passion and is that sort of what you seek when you're outdoors is to be in tune with nature and, and part of the flow of it absolutely yeah you know and um guys that spend all you know guides and hunters spend a, a lot of time outdoors i'm sure some of your listeners do i'm sure some yeah. don't there's something about remote places and wilderness that makes you a, a philosopher <laughs> whether you are or you aren't because yeah. it makes you think about things yeah and um i i just enjoy being someplace that's so private uh-huh. and i kind of own it yeah right yeah and um satisfaction yeah and and i think the national park systems are, are excellent and i think um our national forests are excellent and they are there's still places to go mm-hmm. you have to work at it you have to look hard you find them i find them yeah um, and, and if you're smart, you don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but, my, but, yeah, you have to work harder to find them. But that can also be seen as part of the challenge. You get your topo maps out. Yeah. I mean, when the kids were young, we take the maps out. We look at these areas because we get out right above L.A. Yeah. We find little benches and knobs and places. And in those days, we'd have to cut trails in during the off-season to get in there. Oh, really? Yes. That was that dense. Ruthless. Through poison oak. Through rattlesnakes. Oh yeah. How bad? How bad do you? I mean, I'm terrible. When I get poison oak, it's like I, I had to tape my my gloves to my shirts, and we would go through. And people go, "How do you get deer when nobody else does?" Yeah. Because they're much smarter than I am. Well, you're willing I'll, to get I will poison go, oak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you'll love this story. So the the one hole that we would never go into, mm-hmm. right? And finally, one day, I'm with Jason. He's young. I go, we're going in. He goes, okay, Dan. <laughs> so we cut and we cut and we cut and we cut. And we go to the place and we go there. And all of a sudden, it is everything you would want in a situation. Yeah. There's a creek in there. Yeah. There's oaks. And you can just feel the presence yeah. of deer, right? You know that they're there. They're there. So this is during the offseason. So we cut this. And the rut comes on, and Jason's playing football, and he can't go, so I'm going to go, this is the day. And it was one of those really cool mornings, right? And so I get down, get a little elevated spot, I can see the river, and I'm not there five minutes, and I hear this buck snort. Really? And I can hear the leaves crunching. Uh-huh. And I go, he's coming right where you would think he should come, right? <laughs> and so when I shot, I, the arrow slightly got tweaked by a little twig it still mm-hmm. was a good hit yeah but when he ran across i knew the trail would cross in front of me but then it crossed back uh-huh. so by the time he turned across back i had another arrow and i shot him again really and and he started tromping through the oakleys i couldn't see him. yeah so he tromped and tromped and tromped and all of a sudden boom stopped he couldn't have, i knew he was close yeah so i looked at my watch and in seven minutes boom down he goes and rolls down into the oak leaves. Uh-huh. So I, you can see your breath. It's that kind of morning, right? And I get there and I the stand there morning. and I look down and I go, I go, this was really cool. Yeah. To do 
the work, the research. I got a great buck, and I just took my time. Yeah. Boned all the meat out, laid it out, let it cool. Yeah. And then put the load on my back and hiked out and couldn't wait to call Jason, uh-huh. who was playing football. That's so funny. <laughs> but it was just one of those, and that's in L.A. Yeah. That, that's not on another continent. Yeah. But it's just those special moments that are product of a lot of hard work and a lot of thought. Yeah. That matter. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's so funny when people tell me about taking animals out of L.A. or, or the surrounding areas because, like, Southern California to me is just, that's got to be such a nightmare to hunt, especially these days. You want another great story? Yeah. Okay. Lay it so, on me. So I'm, I'm uh, this is just two or three years ago. Oh, okay. Um, there's a bear in these hills. Mm-hmm. We get the biggest black bears in the nation in Glendora. Really? They're over 400 pounds. Oh, Huge. Wow. Yeah. And there's one, we didn't call him Bigfoot, but that was kind of what he was. Huge tracks, right? Yeah. And um, I'm on a ridge hunting deer, but I know this is where this bear comes. Mm-hmm. And I look down, because I've been around grizzlies. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, the wind's blowing. That, that, it's a brown bush wavy. All of a sudden, it's not. It's this bear. He's rolling right up to me. Mm-hmm. Comes in to about 50 yards. I go tag. And I go, hey, what are you doing? He just looks at me, and I can see the gray around his face. Yeah. And I go, you know what? I'm not going to bug you. Yeah. This is too much fun. Yeah. After all these years of trying to find you. Here you are. Right, here you are. You know, and I just let him go. Yeah. And it was, and one of my buddies, who I didn't know he was there, he goes, that bear was 400 plus. Why didn't you shoot him? I didn't need to shoot him. Mm-hmm. I need to see him again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, he won't be there if I, if I do that. Yeah. Right? It's kind of cool. Yeah. When you can get to that point and you, and you like letting something go, it's yeah. kind of neat. Right? Just pass on it. Just pass. I mean, I've been chasing, there's one bear I've been chasing up where I hunt for the better part of six years. You know what I'm talking They're like a ghost, right? And, dude, it's, especially when you're trying to get them. Yeah. And I, I had an opportunity a year and a half ago to sink an arrow in him. And he was, he was pushing like 60 to 70 yards mm-hmm. right in there. And I didn't take the shot. The shot was a little like, I could I have flung it? I could have flung it and I, and I wasn't gonna, but the sun was setting on the other side of him, right? right? So I was looking into the setting sun and I had the shot placed right. And I, and I let my bow down cause I couldn't take the shot, right. you know, but I'm still in that chase, and yeah. I am still, you know, I know. Well, that's, a, that's a very classy decision to make. Yeah, well, to that's me, it wasn't an ethical no, shot. No, it's a, it's a great call. You know, and, and, and the bear's yours. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And he's still there. Yeah, and he's that's still there. Like, right? Yeah. We can, we can play this game again. <laughs> right? Hopefully, hopefully again. Hopefully yeah. I can get to see him again. So, I got to ask this. When you're out there... And you get into poison oak. Do you have like a go-to poison oak remedy to when you come out of the field, you get home, and you you come out of all your hunting gear and everything like that? Is there anything that you do specifically? Jack Daniels. Is- that's, that's it. You just what, wash yourself down and Jack Daniels. <laughs> yes. Well, I know I drink and then I forget about the. Poison oak. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, so you, you use all the usual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever the creams or whatever. So I are, I've done it. I've been in it so much. A lot of times I just yeah let it go. I, I'm getting better at avoiding it. Yeah. 
Me too. But it's you you know it's sometimes you're in it and you don't know it. Yeah, yeah. I, so something that I've found, and this might be beneficial to our listeners, it might not be. Something that I found that works really well for me is Don Dish Soap. Don really? Dish Soap has been the best anti-poison oak soap that I've used in my entire life. And I grew up using Tech New Oak and all these different extremely expensive mm-hmm. products to mm-hmm. cut through poison oak and lo and behold, degreaser of degreasers, mm-hmm. Don Dish Soap. So you you just use the dish I soap, just, I you just, rub it on, let it dry? No, no, no. I just when I get in the shower. Oh, afterwards. I just wash my whole body down. Great idea. That's a good tip. You know? Yeah. It degreases my body because usually after. Bro, well, yeah, you're grinding a day around. or two. You're on the grind, right? <laughs> Pretty greasy. Right. But um, so how would you feel like the opportunity in California has changed since you started hunting? You were saying that there used to be so many more deer here mm-hmm. than there is now. How would you say that it's changed over the years? You have to do a lot of research now. Mm-hmm. You have to, the, 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 the state's cut into so many pieces. The, the seasons are different in different areas. Yeah. Um, what each area has to offer yeah. is different. So, so you have to do your research. Um, I think you've got to, and I like to do this, we always go up in the spring to... Uh, X12, we'll go yeah. fishing. Yeah. You know, we camp out because I just love being there. But it's, you, you're probably going to need to go up off season and get to know an area. Yeah. Uh, which is not a painful thing to do. You can backpack, Pre-season right? scouting. It's just fun. Yeah. And um, absolutely. We, you know, we take our bows along and shoot our blunts and, and, and um, kind of make it a nice weekend. Yeah. Um, how do you think the population increasing in California has affected wildlife population? Negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how many people can you crowd into a state? Um, <laughs> I mean, how many do you need? Yeah, how I mean, many do you need? And I think the interactions between vehicles and animals are, are, is, is unfortunate. Yeah. You got more people, you got more cars, we get bighorn sheep get hit, the deer get hit. Roadkill. Road kills. Um, I think roadkill kills more deer than anybody, kills more wildlife. Mm-hmm in the state of California than anyone's willing to admit or than anyone expects. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of animals need some quiet time during the year. They need to be away from things. And a lot of times you've, you've got so many people hiking, biking, and all, all of that is, is wonderful for them to do. Yeah. But to be honest about your question, it is hard on habitat. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so what we find is you, you've got to go off the beaten path. You've got to... You've got to go into canyons that if, if you've been with people, they go, why would you go down there? If you mm-hmm. shoot something, you can't get it out. Yeah. Well, we'll worry about that after we get it. <laughs> but 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 if it's an area where you know somebody would say that, yeah. then that's where you go. Yeah. Because they See, won't be there. You know what's so funny is that's exactly how I pick a lot of areas that I hunt. Where I look at stuff and my dad, and I always, I always tell my dad a place I want to hunt, and my dad will say, how are you going <laughs> to get an animal out of there? Right. And that's like, okay, that's where I want to go right. hunt. Because how many other people are going to say that exact same thing that's going to keep them out of there? You know, there'll be less people going. 90% will not go. Yeah. Now, what I learned back in the 60s, this fellow's name is Bob Jensen. Mm-hmm. He's killed almost 200 deer with his bow. Mm-hmm. Greatest deer hunter probably 
the state of California has ever seen. Yeah. His name's in the trophy, in the book, almost every other trophy. I asked him, <laughs> how do you get these deer out? Because he, you know, we drag them, right? Apart them. He had a muslin bag mm-hmm. that his mother sewed up, almost like a paper boy's bag. Mm-hmm. And he boned the meat out, half in the front, half in the back, put it over his head, and walk out. So what the we original use, pack. So what we use is we use an elk bag mm-hmm. for a quarter, yeah. bone all the deer meat out, yeah. split it evenly, tie a knot at the end of the bag, grab it in the middle, put it over our shoulder, and walk yeah. out. Yeah. Well, now we have pack frames and so forth, but we used to do it with that yeah. bag, and it worked fine. Yeah. How funny. So we were talking about population growth. Do you think that with the population growth inside the state of California, that has also brought an enormous amount of people who do not understand hunting or why we do it? Yes. Um, and I think it's a great topic that probably has no perfect answer. Yeah. Um, the misinformed public. Well, it's... <laughs> People that distance themselves from the farm mm-hmm. environment, the ranch environment, which I grew up on, we had steers, and we had a fellow come out and shoot a steer and hang it up, and we cut the, cut the meat out. It was no different to me than going up on the hill and shooting a deer and doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a disconnect um, with people who haven't seen that or been around that that somehow assumes that that meat in the store grew up there. In the bag, right? That never really was in an animal. Right? Yeah, three weeks ago it was walking around. They don't quite yeah. get that, right? Yeah. And I'm not being facetious or, or in any way trying to disparage them. It's just not part. Well, the, there's a disconnect by presentation. <coughs> exactly. Compared to where it really actually right. came right. from before it's being presented on right. the shelf. And, and I think if, you know, everybody's got opinions on our educational system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the most important things is for all of us to understand where we came from, yeah. how we got to be a civilized uh, person, yeah. what the people did before us, what role animals played in our survival, yeah. what role they still play. Well, prior you know, to the beef industry taking over in the 1800s, because really that was when the beef industry right. became a thing. You know, Civil War and we needed meat. Right. And, and I think if, if you can start with that and begin to talk about conservation, mm-hmm. uh, a renewable resource. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm hiking out of this is just a year ago. Yeah, hiking out of a deep spot in Glendora, and this mountain biker goes by. Uh huh. He says, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm hunting deer. Why don't you just go buy the meat in the store? I don't want the antibiotics. Yeah. He just looks at me and goes, "Oh, I thought of that." Oh, that makes sense. Right. He goes, "That's okay. I get Light it. Bulb. I get it. Right." Yeah. Um. It, we're, we're hunter-gatherers. Yeah. We, we, we love, ironically, the animals that we hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, we respect them. We realize that they're, in many ways, feeding our family. Obviously, we should have the same respect for domestic animals that we consume. Yeah. We take them too much for granted. Yeah. That was an, a living animal that, that now is sustaining us. There needs to be some reverence to that. And yeah. I think that sometimes gets lost uh, on people. Not so much 
with the devout hunter, but the person who's buying meat doesn't really understand. Well, yeah, exactly. It gets lost in translation yes. coming from the slaughterhouse to the store shelf. Exactly. You know, and, and there's so many people I know that were avidly against hunting. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, anytime I'd be around, they'd make a point of making a remark, calling me a murderer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all in, you know, quote, good fun, but mm-hmm. really calling someone a murderer isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, how much good fun is that really? Um, but once I'd get to feed people venison, you know, and, and say, here, try this. And people would actually try it. And obviously it has to be prepared correctly right. because if it's not, it tastes like garbage. But, you know, it'd be prepared correctly and people would try this. And then I'm talking vegan, vegans, uh, vegans, vegetarians, vegetarians. That's what I was trying to right. say. Both words together. Right. Um Vegans and vegetarians and, and people who would never eat wild game in their life and they eat it and they love it. Right. You know, and, and that's like, to me, I feel like the food, proper food presentation of what we're doing can change so many people's hearts and minds. You know, it's like, I just feel like there's a lot of room for us to go as uh, with people that might be anti-hunting or on that fence. Right. Yeah. I see. I, I I agree with you. Yeah. Um, there is something very meaningful to me to have gone through all the steps necessary to to obtain an animal. Yeah. That then appears on my plate. Yeah. And I fed my family. Yeah. And it's to me, it, it takes me back through all the DNA, all the way back to where we were rubbing sticks together. And how many thousands and thousands of years ago, and how long has that been embedded in us? Exactly. You know? and, and, and when you're gathering your own meat and preparing it and, and, and consuming it, um, as opposed to having somebody else raise it and shoot it for you, mm-hmm. uh, it just makes me feel closer to the outdoors, to the, to the earth, yeah. if you will. Um, than drive-through food. Yeah. And, and people don't, not everybody gets that, and I don't expect them to get that. Yeah. But the people that I admire, that are philosophical, um, that have strong opinions and spend time in the outdoors, they're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. This is, is living life the way you were structured to live it, in my opinion. Yeah. We were hunt on our feet. We find things to eat. We can we take them. We consume them, and we're appreciative of a, that. A proper respect for nature. Right. Yeah. Totally. So you've gotten to hunt Catalina quite a number of times. Mm-hmm. So you've hunted deer on Catalina, or no Cat, deer? De, Catalina was dominated by sheep to the point that deer were a rarity. Okay. The, the goats were the, the goats were overrun it, which is were. quite the opposite as to where now it's, it's all deer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, my stepson um, Andrew Brilski guides over there. Yeah, Andrew's and, a great guy. Yeah, and so um, we're there's there, there's a very strong possibility we may go a little bit retro mm-hmm. on Catalina and go back to bow hunter camps. Oh, really? For some deer hunting. Really? Mm-hmm. You didn't hear that from me. 
Oh, okay. No one heard it. <laughs> Nobody heard that. That didn't happen. Did not happen. So, and, and one of the one of the one of the reasons to do that is Kelly's hard hut. Mm -hmm. if, if people don't know what these canyons are like, you can die in these canyons. Yeah, they're big and they're steep. I've zip lined them, but yeah, I've never yeah. hunted them. Yeah, I've hunted coast to coast in there. Okay. Yeah. And you will after three days in that island, they have to carry you to the boat. <laughs> so, but my, but I would love to because the beauty of Catalina was you had tons of animals, great campfires, great stories. Mm -hmm. You always had the rookie. That yeah. would screw up. You know, at any hunting no, camp, sure. you've always got the guy that you're going to get on, right? Mm -hmm. Or the guy who snores in the tent, you carry him, and is caught out, and he wakes up in the woods. Yeah. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I'd like to get back <laughs> to that. You guys are savages. Yeah. I'd like to get back to that over there. Yeah. And there's a great guy, Ben, that runs it, and um, I, I think we may evolve into some of that. So some of the people that probably didn't get to hunt there in the heyday can yeah. get a chance to go back and see what it's like. Yeah. So, how many goats did you take from Catalina? In gross number? Sure. I don't know. hundred? Really? So, Probably. they were kind of like everywhere. There Every were 20,000 goats. You, you look at a hillside and then you think you're not seeing goats and the whole hillside moved. They were literally grinding the island down. Yeah. There would be about eleven to 1,200 hunters there a year. Oh, wow. And there was a pretty good management program going, yeah. but the conservancy just wanted every animal that wasn't indigenous off. Yeah, They can't do the deer because they're controlled by the state. Yeah, um, The buffalo are dying off, they're, they're not replacing them. Yeah. Um, so that was, and there was wild boar, tremendous wild boar hunting over there. Really? Yeah, I shot a lot of, a lot of boars over there. So that was kind of, and that that had to be great because it's just target practice. It was phenomenal. You're just learning. But I'll tell you, the, the, the Catalina goat was no easy mark as it got hunted. Really? In the later years, um, probably, my I was on the last hunt ever there, 1991. Uh -huh. Yeah. And um, sometimes I was the only guy in camp that would get a goat. Really? Because I knew I, I knew how to hunt them. Yeah. And... Um, um, so it got very difficult, which I, I loved. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, you couldn't have lunch without a goat coming up. And that was the problem. They were just inundating the island. No predators. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I just couldn't, because that, so I hear from my buddies who go hunt goats in Hawaii, you know, go out there and do their whole thing. And I would I wish that I would have been around to have that sort of an opportunity down in Catalina to just... I mean, I guess kind of have that with pigs, but pigs is 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 nothing like. Well, what uh, you're right because here's what this did. All of a sudden, you have in Santa Cruz Island for sheep. Yeah, you have hunts that are difficult. Plenty of animals. Rookie hunters can have a good time. Yeah, and the archery shops were selling bows and arrows like they're going out of stock. Yeah, and one of the big scams in the time was. <laughs> Make sure you sell nothing but camouflaged arrows. Really? Yeah, you can't find them. Yeah. They'll buy more. They'll buy more. They'll keep coming back. You probably go around out there and oh, still I, dig I, them out. They still find them. We still find really? them now. Really? Yeah. Do you go out there now on deer hunts? I was or? there last year with Andrew. Nice. And, and hiked around with him on a deer hunt. Um, I, we're looking at maybe this fall doing something in with a, uh, a group to, to open up mm -hmm. that um, island a little bit for bow hunting. So. Yeah. So, 
Now, if I remember it correctly, you were talking earlier about California having three deer tags, or you were you were able to get three deer tags. There was two tags, and then an LA County tag that was six month tag. Uh huh. Bucker doe. Really. What was that like? I mean, was there a year that you killed where you'd fill all three deer tags? Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, you're going to get to shoot a deer every time you go out. Really? Yeah. Back well, in the, the good old days. When it was rolling. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would I would go both days on the weekends. I yeah. would go because you would get into great bucks. Now, the climbs to get to those areas, they were tenacious. Yeah. And as you mentioned, brush and poison oak and... And you'd always be in rattlesnakes. Yeah. You know, which is enough to keep smart people out of the mountains. So what would you wear as protection for rattlesnakes? Or would you not? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I wear my, and this is a great topic too. We hunted in Levi's in those days. Yeah. Boots. Yeah. We thought camo was a green t-shirt and then we put a green hooded sweatshirt on and away we went. And you were good to go. We were good to go. So yeah. we, we, it was more like like basketball. It was run and gun. Yeah. You were just covering terrain. Yeah. yeah. What? All right. We're going to side tangent here. What do you think the biggest difference between camo clothing and solid clothing is? I think the biggest advantage to camo clothing is that other hunters won't know you're there. <laughs> so you can stay incognito yeah. on the mountain. I think, I think, and I think it's a, a difficult question because only the deer can tell you. Yeah. And they're not talking. Yeah. Um, Let's get into that ocular yeah, cavity. The, um, the biggest issue in hunting is movement and getting skylined. Or standing out away from objects where you, where your silhouette is, yeah. is noted. Um, I think the camo might buy you some time. Mm -hmm. It might help with that. Mm -hmm. um, but your awareness of wind direction, shadows, moving appropriately, yeah. going through terrain in a way, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's a way you work a canyon. Yeah. There's a way you come up over a lip that is just a product of experience where you go. I, there's got this is. This is the spot. Yeah. Um, I think a, a bigger issue with clothing now is the athleticism mm -hmm. in hunting is tremendous now. Yeah. I mean, people are really training. Yeah. When I was hunting, I, I raced bikes, so that kept me in shape. Yeah. But now that athleticism and the growth of clothing for athletes and training has spread like through Kuyu yeah. to we're wearing athletically oriented uh, gear. Yeah. Stuff that stretches, stuff that we can sweat in and then it vaporizes and we can keep going. Mm -hmm. that, that's probably been, as far as camo and clothing, it's that you have apparel now that can deal with any environmental change and not bulk up yeah. to the point you can't shoot your bow, yeah. you can't move. Yeah. It's light, it's effective, yeah. um, and that's probably one of the, the durable most... durable, too. It's durable. Yeah. Probably when you talk about... If you talk about clothing globally that you hunt in, rather than camel versus solid, yeah, I think the growth in technology yeah. that that um, uh, uh, and I don't want to keep touting Kuyu because there's other very good companies out yeah. there, but it lets you completely focus on hunting, yeah, not on the clothing that's getting wet. Yeah. Not on the pant that doesn't quite fit or the pocket that won't hold what you want. Yeah. You can now orchestrate all of your gear where it's just fingertip away and you can you can just 
cover ground and do it effectively yeah. thanks to your clothing. Right. That's a big change. Well, and it's so crazy too, looking at the gear. And I was talking with somebody about this the other days. There's so many things that I never realized how uncomfortable they were for me in the field until somebody created a piece of gear that rectified that uncomfortability. Amen. You know exactly. what I mean? I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like, where did, because I mean, you're talking blue jeans and, you know, like Levi's and whatever kind of boots right. and, you know, anything right. that I used to get out in the mountain back in the day right. to now I have, you know, stretch material that stays relatively dry when I need it to and wicks away my sweat and all these different, th you know, it's right. It's amazing. The, the levels that we've grown and I feel like more so in the last 10 to 15 years than you know, in the last maybe 20 to 30 years. Right. It's, it's exponential. Now that, now that yeah. there's a market yeah. for these sophisticated fabrics, yes. um, they're going to they're gonna produce more. Yeah. Um, they're to a point now that, uh, like I, I told Jason, this, I put this hunting clothing on and I just forget about it. Yeah. I don't have to adjust it. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We used to carry a couple extra shirts because in hiking these mountains, you'd just be you'd be sweating so much. Yeah. If you stopped, you'd freeze. Right. So you take the wet shirt off and change out, right? Into a dry shirt. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. No. And and you, you you sit there. The guys that haven't had to go through that transition don't know. Yeah. What a great thing that is. Well, and I'll throw this to when I was hunting in Montana this year in our first day in the field. On our second trip was sub 10 degrees and we're hiking in and i i think i had on an axis jacket and uh, a lightweight merino underneath mm -hmm. that and i would stop and before i'd start moving again i never froze i'd never get cold mm -hmm. and my shirt would be dry right like that's that's in, that's incredible, right? And Especially put, when you're in negative ten degree weather, right? Well, you, a lot of people, unfortunately, will never know what you went through before that. Yeah, they'll just take it for granted. Yeah, well, you know, a little <laughs> suffering first makes you appreciate it, right? Yeah, right. Seriously, seriously. So, something that I wanted to dive into, and especially because for me, I'm 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 starting to build my plan to get into sheep hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of it is 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 based off of. Obviously, the inspiration that I've gathered from the last few years from Kuyu and Kuyu team members and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is sheep hunting. And sheep hunting for me is starting to consume me. And it's starting to consume my thoughts and it's starting to consume my heart. And it's starting to consume my drive as far as, you know, where I want to go as my next step in, in hunting. Mule deer, I love mule deer. My 100% my always go-to is California D-zone hunting. Not even an X-zone. An X-zone is great, but California D-zone mule deer hunting. Um, but I'm just, I'm so anxious and I'm so, you know, for me, I'm so ready to get into sheep so hunting. Where, so where do you want to go sheep hunting? I don't know. I mean, there's... What kind of sheep do you want to hunt? My, for my first sheep? I don't know. I don't know. For you me... To, do you want to hunt... I domestically, think, or do you want to go to the Yukon? Or well, I think I think for me, I want to I want to go to the Northwest Territories. I want to I'm, I think I want to try and maybe go do a doll sheep hunt for my first hunt. You know, I've talked to multiple different people, um, 
and Jake is always like, oh, you just got to go hunt Alberta, and that's going to be your, your roughest sheep hunt you'll ever do. And I think what I want to do is I'm, I'll pick people's brains for the next few years as far as what would be the roughest, most difficult sheep hunt to get my ass involved in, and then go do that hunt for my first hunt. Okay, let me give you another alternative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the... Um, the McKinsey Mountains, mm-hmm. where Arctic Red is, and, yeah. and the Honey Butte Outfitters, yeah. are some of the most huntable, beautiful mountains around. They're not big mountains. Yeah. They're mountains you can hunt through. Yeah. They've got a spectacular doll sheep population. Really? It's a very remote, very exciting place to go. Uh-huh. Okay? Um and they're they're like one of the top outfitters, right? From that, what I understand. that whole strip of people are all wonderful. Yeah. Okay. They're all great guys. I went originally um, um, with Kelly Hogan, mm-hmm. who owned it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things, guys, the, the same discussion, right? Mm-hmm. So I go, okay. So what is it you think you're going to do? And you go, sheep on it. You go, sheep on it. So what do you, what do you think is the what is it going to feel like to you? What do you think you're what am I? What are you anticipating? What are you anticipating? Um, I want physical and mental, for lack of a better word, hell. I want to be tested in every aspect of my life and my mental capability and threshold of what I can handle physically and what I can handle mentally on the mountain. And I feel like I'm at a point in my life. We're getting into that and withstanding that is not, it'll, might, there might, there'll be difficult points, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've talked to Brendan about it where he's told me they've gone into places and guys tapped out on day one, mile one of a hunt mm-hmm. after the plane takes off, you know, or, or whatever's, whatever's happening out there. And that's what I want that challenge. So I think that's what yeah. I'm looking to get. Okay. So, so it's a backpack hunt. Yeah. Is what you want to do, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Northwest Tories, Tories, excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it conceivable you'll go more than once? Oh, yeah. I'll be okay. showing a bunch. Okay. So, one of my recommendations to people is consider are you taking a gun or a bow? It depends. I might take both okay. just to have the option. I, I would consider hunting those mountains for mountain caribou. Mm-hmm. And I tell the guys, this, the, if you're bow hunting, and, and when you go in to bow hunt a doll sheep, the pressure on the entire guide organization for that camp is intense. Tremendous, I bet. Unbelievable pressure. Really? Okay. It was difficult. Yeah. And... The mountain caribou is in the same mountain range, sometimes above the doll sheep. They're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You 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 get an opportunity, you miss it, there will be another one. Yeah. They don't travel in herds like you see at the barren ground. These are working their way into the mountains. They're a gorgeous animal. It's yeah. a great animal if you're gonna do a double hunt to take. But I've had I've suggested to some people go do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a much more affordable hunt, number one. The other is you'll get oriented. Yeah, you have an idea of what you're getting into. Right. And um, and talk to the guides about that. That's just a nice, really cool um, huh. first step. 
the other is um, the guide's got to be bow friendly. Um, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For your first hunt. My first and only doll sheep hunt. Yeah. Right? Um, Kelly, Kelly goes, um, you, you said you never sign up with me. I go, I'm, I'm going. So I show up and they go, are you going fishing? What's in this long tube? It's my <laughs> long ball. So the guides are bonused on kills. Yeah. And they're bonused on age. Yeah. So the guy doesn't talk to me for a couple of days. Oh, really? And all we're doing is walking. And we're walking. And we're walking. In silence. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in, we get this ice storm, black, oily clouds, and we're in this tent together for two and a half days. Really? Mm-hmm. That bad? In, the, in a blizzard. So we get out, we hike down, walk right into a big grizzly at about 20 yards. Really? So he shoots between the bear's legs. The, guy, you know, the bear takes off. We walk into another grizzly. Go to another mountain range. Gets stormed out again. So he says, listen, you can walk. I said, I'm, you know, I'm from L.A. We walk everywhere. <laughs> he's a Canadian. Yeah, and he's like yeah. California. Yeah, you can play with Canadians. Anyway, <laughs> so he said, are you comfortable going off the map? Yeah, I go off the map all the time. Where we need to go is two days from here. It's, nobody's been there. So we go two days, get into an area, nobody's been there. So how many days in are you at this point? Probably, after we're probably storms? eight or nine days. We're going to go 12. Uh-huh. So we go into this area, start seeing sheep. I get a shot of the sheep that's kind of a good shot, but it's kind of over a little bit of a hill, and the sheep dips and the arrow goes over. But on the last day, we're sitting in camp, and we're supposed to... Kelly finally finds us. The language was awful. You know, I can't pick you up your two days away, so guy says, we'll build an airstrip tomorrow. Eight miles south. Pick us up at, uh, at dusk. So the next day, we're going north, five miles, because this big old sheep. Well, we end up running the sheep down. I make the shot on him. Sheep goes into a crevasse. I go... How deep? A very deep. Okay, it's like steep cliff. Yeah. There was foot, foot and handholds. This guy goes, we've done too much. I'm going down. So luckily I have some ropes. We get down. We pull the sheep up. We get to camp at midnight. The next day we got to haul butt eight miles, get an airstrip belt, and in comes the airplane. Wow. Right at dusk. Flies me out in the dark. So now you said you nailed that ram. It was on the run. But it was, but, but it was like, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was like they're shooting the goats. Yeah. You know, and people are going to scream unethical, but that was the shot, right? Yeah. So it was... And that you, was the shot at, what, 11 days into a 12-day yeah, yeah, trip? Yeah, yeah, So, but well, you'll love this because you hunt. Yeah. And if you shoot a bow, every now and then you get a really good shot. Yeah. Right? So two years later, we're with the same guy, my buddy's with me. Yeah. And I take a similar shot at a caribou, right? Mm-hmm. And nail it. Yeah. And of course, my buddy's just doing backflips, and the guy goes, Relax. He does this all the time, and and, I, and both of us knew it was just two of those wonderful events. Yeah. Where I had a very clean shot. It was going to be a, it was straight up and down. I knew I'd be in a kill zone, or I'd miss him. Yeah. Either way, so I had the alignment on both shots. So, and here we are years later, mm-hmm. and you look back on that hunt. What does that hunt represent for you? That hunt did exactly to me 
what you want done to you. Mm -hmm. It took every ounce of endurance, mental focus, fighting fatigue, horrible conditions at times, mm -hmm. mountain grizzly bears, <laughs> all of the things, all of the things that you envision in the north, we faced them all. Yeah. And at the very last moment, got the sheep. Yeah. And it, and and when we opened this conversation a while back, yeah. it was what's go, what's what's the problem with hunting today? It's that hunt is an example to me of what it should be. Not day one. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. It it's one of those things we paid our dues. Uh -huh. And um, the guide was thrilled beyond belief. I mean, it was a turned out to be a twelve year old ram, mm -hmm. right? And um, it was huge. It was big. So when you walked up on the ram for the first time, and you made that like that the iconic approach that every you know. It's portrayed a lot through right, film now right. and you see it. Right. What was that approach for you? And you guys looked, I mean, did you see it? Oh, yeah. Go down? So you oh, saw, no, we saw it. We know we'd see it in the, in the water. It was oh, in okay. Creek. We had to go down and pull it. It was under a waterfall. Really? It was a scene. So, so when you guys, I, <laughs> so when you guys, did you rope it? You tied rope? Yeah, I got, it, pulled yeah, it out? He didn't have a rope, if you can believe it. I had a rope. He's the guy from California had the rope. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, because I, I I read, I took it along, right? So I let I let he could get down by yeah. hiking down, tied it to the ram, and brought it up in chunks. Mm -hmm. And um, the horns came up, and and you were pulling him up, pulling pulling the the, the, the cape and the head up, and uh, you put your hands around those horns, and they're they're so big, and they're so iconic and you this is something that you, you thought that would never happen and you've got this ram in your hands well especially on day 11 night in the sun in the, in the sun setting and you just go you know what i can die right now yeah this is as good as it's ever going to be for me so what inspired you initially to go on this hunt um i, I told the story earlier on this on why do we hunt um, yeah you guys just released that. Let's yeah. talk about that. Really well, well this, this is this is relevant. Okay. Um, you know, when your father dies, it's a pretty momentous thing in your life. Yeah. And this guy, um, as I commented, he'd done so much for us. And you go, did he really get everything done? Mm -hmm. And then you ask yourself, um, have you got everything done? And I thought about the fact I just had said, I, I'll never afford sheep hunting. Mm -hmm. I read every book on it. I read everything Jack O'Connor wrote on it. Mm -hmm. I read about Fred Bear and um, his hunts up there. And um, I just wouldn't do it. So mm -hmm. when my dad died, I'd go, you know what, I'm going. That's what, that's what um, uh, motivated me. Yeah. And it's interesting because both Jack O'Connor um, and Fred Bear were guided by the same guy. That you guided? That you were Alex guiding. Van Bibber. Really? Now, Alex Van Bibber was not my guy. In fact, I didn't know Alex Van Bibber was even connected with this camp. But okay. he had the lease on this 10,000 square miles, right? Yeah. But the Inuits, his wife was Inuit. 
So I'm coming back to camp. I've, I'm in the the back of this plane. Mm-hmm. I've lost eight pounds. I got this heavy, huge sheep in my lap. We're flying out in the dark. Getting acquainted. We land. We land with 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 Coleman Lanners guiding us in on the landing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was all gun hunters. Everybody else in the camp was gun hunter. And by <laughs> just just dumb luck, my ram's the largest. Right. <laughs> So they lift me out of the thing. They guide me up to the the, the, the cook camp. I'm sitting there, and I'm just, uh, you can imagine. Yeah. You know, I'm beside myself and, and hallucinating, I'm sure. And the guy comes, he says, hey, Mike, Alex Nambibber is here. I figure this guy's dead. Yeah. I'm really hallucinating. And he walks, 85 years old. Really? Dang it, Mike. Get us a bottle over here. I, you know, I said, we talked about Fred Bear. We talked about Jack O'Connor's stories of him cutting the Canal Road. Uh-huh. We stayed up half the night talking about it. Wow. Right? And while outside is my sheep head, and I am that that just so delicious, comfortable, tired. Yeah. And you're, you know you got what you came for. Yeah. It was magic. Satisfaction. Yeah, it was magic. Holy smokes. That's so crazy. I, I mean, and it's exactly what you were saying. For me, it's that is something that I'm looking forward to. That it's there to be done. That that moment for me is really what I want to achieve, in a, in a major way, you know. And something that you brought up, you know, and and you know, you were talking about when your dad died, and that struck a chord for me in 2012. My dad had two full-blown heart attacks. Um, he died, he flatlined twice. The first time he died, he was in a wheelchair on the way up to the catheter lab, uh, the cath lab, and mm-hmm. then he died on the table in the cath lab a second time after I brought him back. They brought him back a second time, which for me has tremendously sparked um, a terror that I've been on since then uh, except for with the with the exception of last year, even though I, I dragged my dad's ass through hell in California last year, mm-hmm. um, I'm just trying to take my dad and hunt anything and everything that I can with right, my dad right. in every opportunity that I can. Right. Um, you know, so that really just that hit home for me. I, and Jason did the same for me. You know, that, I, I tried to explain like with to your him. moose. Hunt. Yeah, yeah. I tried to explain to him when, when he's trying to kill me on this. He'll, he'll, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason. There's no money in this. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got anything. I just have bills. So there's no point in finishing me off. Yeah. But it, 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 Jim Shockey talks a lot about this. You know, take your take take the old guy's honey. Mm-hmm. It, it's it enriches the whole experience. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, this year I'm looking at a every every year that I've I've gotten to get out with my with my dad since mm-hmm. uh, since his heart attacks. Uh, I think in, I think it was 2014, you know, he got his biggest buck that he'd ever shot right. in his life. And then 2015, we go out again, and he shot the biggest buck that he'd ever shot in his life. And then, two, you know, and Amazing. it was just, it, it was benchmark after benchmark after benchmark. And, and uh, you know, we went out on a hunt in Utah two years ago, and he missed... He missed the biggest buck of his life, which was devastating and heartbreaking. But at the same time, we both got to be there with each other, and it, that that hunt for us together in Utah was just yeah, that's neat. 
unreal. So much fun, you know. And it's for me, it's something that I really, I really can't describe, you know. And and every time he tells the stories about me taking him hunting, he's like, "This kid's trying to kill me." Oh yeah, we feel that way. <laughs> he keeps showing you his driver's license and his age, right? It's so much. I got a doctor's order here. No more of this. <laughs> Seriously, it's so much fun, man. It's so much fun. So for you, what do you feel your your future holds for sheep hunting? Is there as do you have? a ram that you're like I, I need to go get no I don't I don't have an animal in mind mm-hmm. I, um, I'd love to get back into the McKinsey's mm-hmm. um, I'd like to backpack through those hills again mm-hmm. um, like I said I probably would be more more prone to hunt mountain caribou at this point mm-hmm. um because I think they're phenomenal animal, phenomenal meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might, I might consider doing sheep again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine duplicating what I've already done. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Having that experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was such a magical trip, and there's so much. There, there, I've been back for mountain caribou after I did the sheep, and we had a great time. Yeah. I mean, it's a little. It's just the edge is just off. Uh huh. Right. Because the guides are like, like hunting eagles. I mean, they, when you're after <laughs> sheep, they don't stop. Yeah, they're always looking, and there's a tremendous amount of boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Whereas with the caribou, it's a little more relaxed. Yeah, it's a little more of a of a hunt. Yeah. That you can have some fun with. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I get. What would you say your dream hunt would be? Oh gosh, I've had so many. You've already gotten to do I've your done, dream I've, hunt. I've, I've, I've done them all. I, uh, what was your biggest dream hunt? I guess aside from the sheep. I, I think that you've. I think the, the hunt, and we may redo this one, was uh, shooting the moose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, phenomenal outfitter and um, guides and and just characters uh-huh. you know they were just great paul brighter cameraman was there paul's so fun <laughs> and and you know you 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 build a story yeah. around why we're doing this and jason told me i'll take you anywhere i will go anywhere you want to go what do you want to hunt yeah i said i want to hunt yukon canadian moose but my my bow my long bow yeah so we set this up so that that was kind of the the storyline and as luck would have it that's exactly what happened yeah, we called the moose in. You saw the film. Yeah, and it, it, everything went well. It's a that now that I would also argue um, is an animal you need to really seriously consider hunting. Really, because the the excitement, mm-hmm. the tension, the drama of that bull crushing trees as it's coming in. Because it's huge. It's huge. And, <laughs> and you know, we got in a, a situation where you can see where we're seeing this bull. The guys backing up us don't have a clean shot. Mm-hmm. You know, they got rifles in case we see bears or something. Yeah. But these moose will come. Yeah. And it's just, you, you know, it's a waiting game. As you can tell, you just wait. You hope you get that shot, and then you get the shot. Yeah. But it, hunting them is a, is a very sophisticated scouting as you go, waiting, calling, trying another area. And yeah. so forth. 
And uh, we hunted out of a cabin of logs that was built off of a hundred-year-old cabin that was there originally. Yeah. And it was like the ones you see in the old films of the Little Delta. It was exactly <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. It was a classic yeah. camp. And um, so that was a really, really spectacular trip. So why traditional? Why, why the longbow? Um, for I mean, and that's just been that's your go-to piece forever, right? I've never used uh, compound. Yeah. Um, I have no. I mean, I have no negatives about compounds. Yeah. Um, they just are not my image of what a bow is. Yeah. Um, there are more longbows. People will talk about how difficult a longbow is. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, when you're on Catalina and goats are running everywhere you're never going to get it done with a compound. <laughs> I mean, I can kill four or five goats out of the herd with a longbow. Really? Yeah, as they start running, they run the line, you just start popping them. Really? So so for the way I hunt, as opposed to a stationary situation, mm-hmm. you're on the stand, deer comes out, it's going to be a certain way, right? Yeah. When you're in thick brush and all of a sudden things start bouncing and deer are moving and you've got an opening and uh, that deer is coming through, you can kind of see where the deer is, and you just put the arrow on the opening, yeah. and the deer runs into it. It's like throwing a pass in front of somebody. Yeah. The longbow, or even good you know, recurves, they're ideal for that. Yeah. Um, so one, I think it's not such a big handicap as people might think. Um, plus, I enjoy the time when I'm not hunting. I've got a situation where I have swinging targets and stuff at my house, and mm-hmm. it's just fun to, to shoot those bows. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I know you got some good hunts coming up this year. Can you talk about any of that? Any any of what you got going on? Um, a lot of it um, is going to depend on our place, the Sierras. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the waiting for the draw. Right. And I love that we're the last, the last draw. <laughs> To happen. So, so find out like June fifteenth. Yeah, the, the, right before A zone even opens. Yeah, the, the, they want me to go. There's some talk about going overseas and doing some hunting, and uh, uh-huh. um, and people go. So you'd give that up, don't the sheriff? Yeah, right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not that didn't take any time at all. Yeah. That, you know the feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and we're looking at maybe doing that opening. Um, we might open Catalina this year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. For a bow camp. Uh huh. I don't know what else, you know, people here come up with hunts, they call me and, and we put things together. Mm-hmm. So um, that's always pretty fluid around here. Stuff comes up, guides call us, there's openings and we'll go. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So passing along the tradition of hunting, and we talked a little bit about this at Sheep Show, and it, to me it seemed something you were pretty passionate about in our conversation. Um, where do you think that the hunting world is headed? Oh, that's a great... It's very difficult. It is, for sure. Um, Well, then there's so many different, like we were talking earlier, you know, people hunting for inches more for than the experience. You know, there's so many different facets to where uh, it's going. I I think in every thousand people Mm -hmm. that get into hunting, and let's just start, let's say like everybody did, in the old days they'd start with rifle hunting. Yeah which is a noble sport and it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, but they kept wanting something th- that made them more involved. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, the fact that traditional archery is growing 
in numbers. Yeah. The Boyers are growing in numbers because it's fun to shoot them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fun to see if you have the ability to, to get close enough with that weapon to shoot things. Yeah. So I, I think it will continue, that segment will continue to grow. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that um, may have been rifle hunters will enjoy shooting a compound because there's a lot of carryover similarities. Mm -hmm. You've got sights, you've got range finders, and... Um, um, you got sites that are range finders. Right, exactly. So, I mean, which I think it's, hey, if it's legal, I think it's fine. Yeah. And guys enjoy it. Yeah. Anybody that's outdoors and legal, I am on your side. Yeah. I, I don't debate over weapons. Yeah. I, I just share the joy of the woods and the animals. Right. It's every guy's choice. He wants right. to shoot. Obviously, he wants to be competent <clears throat> with what he's shooting. And that's his or her decision. Well, and I would almost say, too, and, and more so in California, because I have way more experience archery hunting California, but I think the quicker route to success of, of harvesting a, a deer or killing a deer in the state of California, archery is your secret. At least it's been my secret. There are a lot more opportunities. There's a lot more opportunities yeah. behind a string than there is right. behind a trigger. Right. you got a lot, a lot of areas. You've got stuff when they're in the velvet and they're mm -hmm. out in the open and... Uh, beautiful time of year because yeah. they're they're not trying to get into that thick gnarly stuff no. that you get to root them out of with right. a rifle right you know um do you think that it's going to be more difficult for youth and for kids to get involved in hunting as it as time progresses or do you do you think that it in california yeah probably yeah um my big concern um with children is the inordinate amount of time they spend with electronics, whether it's a phone or video games, mm -hmm. and the limited amount of time they spend Outdoors. in the real world. Yeah. And it's not healthy for them. I, I'm, I'm a physical therapist, I can tell you. Yeah. It, uh, it's hard on their backs. Uh, they'll often have weakness in their legs from hours of sitting at these computers. It doesn't build strength. Um, uh, I just, from a health standpoint, I, I think uh, hunting, outdoor activities, hiking, yeah. climb a mountain, right? Um, that needs to be, and they, they're, they're talking about it. There's, there's a big movement now that says, well, just get up and move. Yeah. Right? Move an hour a day. Yeah. Well, now there's yeah. like reminders on devices that says, get up and move. Right. I you mean, haven't moved. I, I, I think, like me, you probably didn't sit down an hour of the day. So, not when I was a kid. I mean, we I did a little everywhere. bit, but not that. We had nothing to do but roam. So, yeah. I, I, and then coming back to, okay, is that picturing that kid that's playing for whatever the game is? Do you see him? picking up a bow and, and a pack and starting to hike through the hills. Mm -hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't think they're making that connection yeah. unless the, pam, the family gets them out and gets them into those environments. Yeah. And they love it. I mean, yeah. they get in the woods, they like it. It's a change. Well, once it happens, right. like it's almost like a light comes on. Right. And then they're like, oh, wow, I actually like this. Right. The video game just came to life. Now. Right, right now. You know, which, I mean, how do we teach them that and get it to resonate right you know when i mean you've got to teach by example you yeah. know it um when adam and, and jason were young I, I changed my work week so i was off half day tuesday or thursday so if there wasn't an athletic thing going on the ranch i'd grown up on yeah we, we we went hiking yeah you know we went and scouted and we went out to the archery and shot our bows we we, we would do something outdoors Saturdays, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Yeah. Just what we did. Yeah. 
so something else that's that's kind of going on right now along with new hunters and new people coming in is a lot more young adults are getting into hunting Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes in with what we were talking about a little bit more with that experience you had with the mountain biker on the trail when you were coming out and he's like what are you doing you know you're like well i'm hunting he said you didn't want antibiotics and the light bulb kind of came on for that guy like oh wait maybe i should try that Mm -hmm. you know or something like that um so to me, there's a there's a big trend and a big shift, especially inside California, of people wanting organic meat and trying to figure out how to start making that happen for themselves mm-hmm. instead of getting it from a from mm-hmm. a grocery store because as we found out, they can just brand something organic mm-hmm. and it's a brand label instead of actually mm-hmm. organic right. organic meat. Um, how do you think that's going to impact the hunting world? Do you think that that'll bring more maybe anti-hunters or more people that might be on the fence into I, hunting? No, I think coming back to what you just said, which I think is very very insightful, is if they're reaching out for that, yeah, then it's our obligation to give them that, mm-hmm. to let them understand you're on the right path. Yeah, this is organic. Here's what these animals feed on. Here's mm-hmm. where they're found. Yeah. Here is how you get your hunter safety certificate. Certificate. Here's how you put in for the zones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and here's how you can take your family or you can go up in the spring and scout the areas. Yeah. Take a, take your backpack and go hike or stay out overnight. Right. And make this a complete experience because it isn't um, just organic. It's aerobic. Yeah. It's you healthy. Know, it's healthy. All the way yeah. around. Right. Yeah. This is <laughs> the hard part is, is trusting air you can't see because it's clear up there, right? Yeah, right. Seriously. But, the, but if, the, if because they're kind of holistic, you know, these younger kids. Yeah. And then it, if they'll see it as a complete loop, yeah. Uh, that That is what their DNA has been doing for a long time. Right. I think that's easier for them to assimilate. Well, and I think that that too is why people are starting to come full circle. You know, maybe they've, they're coming from a family and they're coming out of generations of non-hunters right. or people that aren't hunting. And now it's becoming full circle back to like, wait a minute, I can go do this myself. I don't need to depend on this or depend on that. And now, you know, scientific research is showing that, you know, who knows what kind of cancers or problems right. are coming out of the meat that we're buying at the grocery store. Right. You look at stories of meat glue and like weird things that are happening behind the scenes in slaughterhouse foods. And it's, it's, I, I mean, I, I guess one thing that I love to see is, you know, when I teach a hunter's education course, the it's, it sucks that it's not majority children that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Like when I took hunter's ed, when I was, 10 years old in 1995, right? When I took Hunter's Ed back then, 80 to 90% of the class was 10-year-olds to 15-year-olds. Right, same with me. Right? And now for any class that I'll go into, I'd say 90% is 25 to 35-year-olds. And it's all people who are coming from families that never hunted. Right. And it's all people who are wanting to get in and understand the outdoors. And you brought up a really good point, which is it's our responsibility to embrace these people that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because, like, 
maybe we all don't have the same opinions or views or or whatever but where we are coming together and, and where everything is happening is that we all want the same product we all want the same end result you know and and hopefully that overflows eventually into you know conservation and and a better understanding of what hunters are bringing to the table as mm-hmm. far as um financial backings for states and and Mm -hmm. preservation of wildlife because i feel like a lot of that gets lost you know they don't and this goes back in further to what you were talking about with schools like a lot of this stuff isn't getting taught to kids a lot of this stuff isn't there's no like you don't go to class and find out how much money gets brought in from the pittman robertson act you don't go to class and find out you know, ethical ways to hunt animals and ethical ways, you know, to handle firearms or ethical ways to do any of these kinds of activities, which I feel ultimately broadens the the spectrum and and the horizons for youth going on. And and see that what's interesting, too, is when you've got children there, you've got an adult audience as well. Yeah. So um, I took um, my kids through the bow hunter. Mm hmm. Course. I don't know if you've had the bow hunter course. But there's a gun course and then there's the bow hunter. Yeah. We did, we did both. The bow hunter course uh, taught down on the Marine base or grounds of the Marine base mm-hmm. in the brush was phenomenal. Tracking, blood trailing, the the entire experience about how you 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 handle a shot, you mark your spot. It was it was really well done. Yeah. And it got into it. It took a direction that I wish we'd have gone further. I wish we'd have gone to okay. Now you have your animal. Mm-hmm. Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. How to pre- take the meat, prepare the meat, cool yeah. the meat, that it's going to come back to your table. Yeah. So that everybody gets the idea, okay, so I'm really shopping in a way. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, for organic food. What cut? You know, it's not, and it's really no, it really is no different than going to the store. Yeah. Just somebody else did the hunting for you. Yeah. Well, you know, that brings me to something that we're actually, uh, what is it? I think May 18th is going to be a Saturday morning in, in Petaluma mm-hmm. uh, with West Coast Archery Shop. Kuyu's going to come out. We're going to do a pack race. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, I think Todd and Ben are going they're to be going to teach a course or something, right? Yeah. Well, it'll be a 35-pound pack and a 50-pound pack weighted race. And then there'll be 3D archery targets along the way. Mm-hmm. Depending on shot placement, we'll deduct time, right? But anyways, shortly after that, We'll get into an advanced, you know, quasi-advanced hunter's education mm-hmm. course, which will be breaking down an animal, cutting out back straps, skinning it out, mm-hmm. ground quartering it, keeping the meat clean, and all that kind of stuff for preparation for when you're in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, because hopefully, you know, there'll be a lot of new hunters or people that might be interested in getting into archery hunting. That yeah, that's that's. That's beneficial a, information that's to be the taught. kind of exposure to the environment that i think is ideal yeah you know and, and and again too it's it's you know our responsibility is as as hunters who have been hunting for a long time right. to carry on and and pass the tradition and the message you know and stay positive about it and not be um exclusive rather than inclusive right you know because mm-hmm. that can that can i feel like that's probably for new hunters one of the most intimidating spots one of the most intimidating facts about trying to get into hunting is you have a bunch of you know quote unquote hunt camps right, right. which is different people that are hunting different areas 
and they are, oh, well, you know, you, that's great that you want to get into hunting, but we're not going to tell you what we're doing or where, or where we're, we're doing it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I, that doesn't mean go tell everybody your spots or anything like no, that. No, but you can certainly, I give people, you know, directions to yeah. a, a region, an area. I said, yeah. look, go check here, this here's out. some trails, get up, explore the trails, yeah. kind of find your way around and just enjoy the exploration. It'll be your yeah. discovery. And I always tell people, if you put in enough time and enough effort and enough energy, you're going to present the opportunity right. for yourself to harvest. It, it, yes, it's just, it's just repetition. Right? Yes. And that's like really at the end of the day, it's just, yeah. I mean, the more hours you spend, the more likely you are to, get something. to have it come together. Right, so something that I've quick I've quickly picked up about you is, and I, and I I appreciated this a lot at Sheep Show and a lot of our conversations that we had. You really can pick up on strengths of individuals and and identify strengths in individuals, and I just wanted to point that out. I mean, I don't even know if we're gonna have a, a tangent about this at all. But I just, I wanted to compliment you on that, you know, and, and it, it reminded me a lot of my grandparents and things that were, had, had been said to me about my grandparents, mm-hmm. um, looking for the positive mm-hmm. in people and, and looking for their strengths and their attributes, right. you know, and being able to point out and then help bring those to light for people. Right. You know, that's awesome. Well, my, you know, my, my work, uh-huh. I, I treat you know, horribly injured people. Yeah. And um, people go, how do you do that? And yeah. I said, I just look Yeah. and tell the person, here's the first thing we're going to do. And uh, we'll get this done. And they do. And I go, okay. Yeah. You're, you're phenomenal. Uh-huh. Let's go to the next thing. Yeah. Right? And you just, you... They, there are many people that don't see their own positives, mm-hmm. particularly in your children or in children. Yeah. And they get too many negatives. Yeah. And it, it, it's no fun to find negatives. It's fun to see a positive. Yeah. Like, great job. And then build them up around. Right, right. Yeah. I, one, of our, one of our sales guys here was at the sheep show. guy had a question about the pack. He broke the pack down in about two minutes, took it apart, showed him how this works, mm-hmm. answered all the guy's questions. The guy says, I'm in, I'll take the pack. Here's how you do it. And afterwards, I said, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I was standing there when that happened. Remember that? Yeah. Wasn't that unbelievable? Yeah. And, and to let that go unnoticed, or for me not to comment on that, yeah. I just couldn't do that. I wanted to thank him. I said, yeah. and people go, well, that's his job. No, it's not his job. Yeah. This isn't a job. It's a passion. Yeah. He wanted that well, person that's what he's to bring to the table. Yes. Yeah. That's what you that's what you grab. Yeah. And you if if guy isn't excited, he's not touching his passion, then yeah. you need to you need to help him with that. So do you see retirement anytime soon? I see internment before retirement. <laughs> <laughs> you love your job. I love what I do. Why would I stop? You know, and I, I ta- when I called you earlier this week, it was like 7.30 in the morning. Right. And I think you'd been up since 4? What's your wake up? You like wake up. I get real up early. About 3.15. 3.15. Right. You get on the road at 4. Right. So then I get to the office and I work out. You probably call me you right to, after. Yeah, you get to, you get to the, the office at 6 right. and work out. Right. 
that's just, I mean, you're going all the time. Yeah. You just love it. Well, I, I want to get as many hours in as I can. I yeah. Mean, you can't so go how many down. hours? Okay, I like that. So how many hours do you sleep? Usually five. Five hours, and that's solid. That's solid. For me, I find my best operating in a day if I get six hours yeah. of sleep. Six is really optimal. I'd like six. Yeah. It doesn't quite work yet. Yeah. Well, because I get home, it's I late, and I, you know, it takes me a while to go out and see the animals, shoot some arrows, and just, and just unwind. Yeah. Right? But yeah. It, it, it works for me. Yeah. When I was 19, I had an accident. I fell 35 feet. I broke my back, burst my liver. Uh, fractured T12 in my back and smashed my face and had slate land all over the top of me. And ever since then, my sleep has been not the best. Right. But through that, I have learned how to balance. And now right. I feel like six hours is like right. for me to be the most optimized yeah. person. I More can than be. that, you're going to be groggy. Less than that, you get tired. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. So, and we talked a little bit about this before the before we hit the record button what is the worst thing that you feel has happened to sheep hunting and i and i think we can broaden it yeah let's we okay. can go down this as long as we, we can want. we can broaden it to other animals i think yeah. sheep is the topic right now yeah um i think we're perseverating on Winning awards, shooting the sheep with the biggest score count. Notoriety. The, the notoriety, the 40-inch ram. And um, there's no way to score the degree of difficulty mm-hmm. on that ram. Mm-hmm. And, and what needs to be measured is how many miles you walked, how much elevation was gained, how much was lost. Uh, how late in the hunt was it? What kind of storms did you weather? Mm-hmm. What kind of shot did you have to make? Yeah. Um, all of that culminates um, in something that can't be measured on a tape measure. Mm-hmm. It, it's measured in your heart and, and, and your memories. Yeah. And I, I think when we start giving out awards um, for trophy animals, uh, and I think, it, I think originally it was well-intentioned, mm-hmm. encouraging Harvesting older, mature animals. I think that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but when the event itself gets lost in the measurements, I think it depreciates the experience. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we need to talk more about it being in the moment of the hunt. Yeah. And the environment of the hunt, and the and the the communal um, relationship with the other hunters, as opposed to you know. Here's my ram. It's what it scored. Yeah, and that's just my bias. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because, and you talk about we could broaden the the, the spectrum on that across the board mm-hmm. to all animals, and. Uh, so for me, like this year, I took the largest deer that anyone in my family has ever taken in generations of hunting. I mean, my family didn't get into hunting out of state a lot mm-hmm. until, I don't know, maybe 1985. Um, you know, fifth generation, mm-hmm. California a long time. 
Um, we never we never were big on on you know I mean of course if we saw a big buck we would take it or a big elk we would take Mark. it but we were just you know hey there's a there's a solid four by four let's shoot it and uh, so I killed the largest deer that any of us have taken yet this year and it wasn't even I mean it's nothing insane at all. Um, And for me, I'm still, in my head, I, I don't feel accomplished, right? And I, I mean, I feel accomplished. I'm probably misstating this. But in, in somewhere inside of me, there's, I, I still feel like I need to do better. I need to, I, I didn't, I didn't shoot a buck that had enough inches, you know? But then, so what I'm doing essentially is I'm, I'm discrediting myself for the amount of energy and effort that I put in into, you know, going into a general unit that takes no points, you know, no, you know, there's tons of, there's plenty of tags and plenty of hunters, you know, and I, and I harvested a great buck and it, it saddens me just in the sense that like, I try to figure out how did I get to this spot where this is how I'm thinking. You know, this is this is my thought process. So it's, I just like how you know broadening the spectrum and then, it, me admitting my own guilt to doing that myself and and. Well, I just I think you're just an honest product of what the media, yeah, and the world around you is talking about. Yeah. Um, of our environment that we've created ourselves as hunters. It's, it's, yeah, the, I'm, I'm, I don't think the Sioux Indians sat around <laughs> measuring their deer horns, okay? They were eating dinner. Yeah, they were eating. Right? Yeah. Um, did they even really save their antlers, or did they just they, kind they, of move they, them around into different you, objects? Or use them for tools. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I just, I think, I, I think you've got to measure up to what you value. Yeah. Not what Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young values. Yeah. What 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 did this take for me to get this buck? And only you know that. Yeah. You only the one that knows how many miles I I hiked in preparation scouting, mm -hmm. the the smart move I made with the wind this morning. Yeah. And I I figured this son of a gun out, and I got him right. Yeah. The the the, the size of the effort is way more important than the size of the animal. Yeah. And and you've harvested this animal. It should be a joy. Right. Not a disappointment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're focused on, this is my bias, yeah. focused on the matters that matter the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, this is the part in the podcast where we have a little fun. We work with an apparel company. Mm -hmm. They're called Dead Eye Outfitters. Um, they sell hats, t shirts, mm -hmm. hoodies, um, actually everyday lifestyle apparel as opposed to camo gear and hunting mm -hmm. gear. Although plenty of people hunt in their products, um, personally for me, I love their socks. Their socks are, are my favorite. Um, so it's the dead eye minute, the dead eye question. And the question that I have for you, which I completely forgot, this is just terrible. I can answer that one. I know. It's, <laughs> it's true. Get a, get a better brain, Andy. Um, if you were to live in any movie setting 
from 85 to 95. What movie would be your, your calling? What would be the movie that would be, that's, that's the movie I want to live in? Probably The Revenant. Really? When did, I don't, With DiCaprio. That came out recently though. So you're, you're now restricting my thinking to I, years. I did, I did. I don't, I, even know, I don't even know what the movies were in that era. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. The Revenant works. We'll take Because it. I've been in that environment. Yeah. And it was it made me recollect a lot of cold. So, we, okay, okay. Here's a better question. Did you spend a lot of time in the ocean in Southern California? I grew up near the ocean, yeah. Okay, did so... a lot of body surfing. Would you rather... Swim in shark-infested waters or hike through grizzly-infested mountains? Grizzly-infested. Grizzly-infested mountains? Right. Why? Because you can see them coming. Yeah. Sharks attack from below. And you can't see underneath. <laughs> and I've been around sharks. Isn't that an eerie feeling? Yes, I've been in blue water and I've done a lot of spearfishing on the island. So. Uh-huh. No, bears. Bears, all day. Any day. Right on. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Um, one, I want to... Thank you for being kind enough to interview me. And yeah. I think this this forum mm -hmm. and the forum you're following um, generates a lot of discussion that we that spend a lot of time in the outdoors should be having. Yeah. And um, we certainly, I certainly don't expect people to agree with everything I say or right. whatever. It's not the point. Yeah. The point is to bring a topic out that each and every one of us has a passion for mm -hmm. and just to hear that others feel the same I yeah. think is an important starting point well and something too is, is we can all relate on some levels and we can all have a differ of a difference of opinion on some levels and we're all here for the same thing exactly. just because our opinions might vary doesn't mean that we all can't get along right. and that we all can't be here collectively for the same reason exactly and, and uh, in closing mm -hmm. I think one of the real realities is because there's always in our society now there is uh, issues with discrimination and religious hate and whatever well we play with mother nature mm -hmm. and mother nature doesn't discriminate mm -hmm. she doesn't care who you are at she all she doesn't give a damn okay she doesn't care who she's you gonna, are she, she is going to kick you, build you your as house. hard as she can every single time and she's going to measure you every time yeah and she will rate you based on how you handle it how you weathered the Not storm. Not the color of your skin. Yeah. And I like that. And I think the people that I enjoy being with accept the challenge of being out there. Yeah. And uh, readily recognize you find out in a hurry in a tough camp who the guys are. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. Absolutely. And, and last but not least, May 4th, Kuyu Mountain Academy. What's going on? They're, I'm going to MC that. You are? I'm going to open that. Okay. And um, we're going to have, as usual, some enormously talented people in the audience. Yeah. And speaking. Yeah. And this is not so much us lecturing to the attendees. There's attendees that probably have more experience than we do. Yeah. It's an opportunity to share thoughts, ask questions, much like your packing event, see yeah. how other people do it. And uh, 
the camaraderie when you have a bunch of outdoor people together is yeah. ma- it's really magic. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Well, and I was there last year. Last year's event was just phenomenal. Right. And so we, much fun. We'll have a great time. Yeah. Right on. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.